Welcome to this episode of the Exploring Washington podcast with your host, Scott Cowan. Everyone, this is uh, Casey Mack. He is the owner of Mack Provisions, and he is based out of Port Angeles. Casey, why don't you tell our, our listeners a little bit about what you do or yeah. and your backstory? Yeah, uh, for sure. My, you know, so like you said, my name's Casey Mack, and I own a company called Mack Provisions, and I take vintage baseball mitts and repurpose them into everyday carry items like wallets and keychains and stuff like that. So, yeah. So how long have you been doing this? Uh, I started in 2014, um, but went full-time in 2018. So it's been a couple years of this being my full-time gig. Okay. So when we talked offline uh, before you, you told me a, a quick story and I, I'd like you to share it again sure. about the, the first time you found, or you bought a baseball mitt, um, it, the old, the buckle back. Yep. The, the, yeah. And I, it was, it'll, it's cool. Cause I sent you the picture of that. I've had it since I was, um, I think 12 or 13. I can't remember the exact year, but we were traveling. I played a lot of tribal baseball growing up and, um, you know, went to, Wenatchee for a tournament went to an antique store in Wenatchee and found this old Joe Gordon buckle back mitt from the t- late twenties, maybe early thirties and, or wait. Yeah. Early thirties. And, um, and that's where I fell in love with the aesthetic of old baseball gloves. So I've had a fascination for leather and baseball and old gloves from basically then. So what's interesting to me is when you when you talk to people that we tend to fall into two camps, people that like really modern stuff, like they're they're totally into the latest tech and and is something that's three years old is like, oh, that's so old and ugly. Right, and right. then there's other people that are like totally into the old, you know, the vintage, uh, you know, whether it be baseball mitts or uh, I collect, well, I collect old baseball cards. But so I find it interesting why when people go and look towards the historical vintage stuff. And no, so totally. we have a, we have a connection there. So, so what, what was the inspiration behind doing this? I mean, where did you, where'd you come up with this idea and, and kind of walk us through that? Yeah, definitely. I, um, like I just said, I, I, I love old baseball mitts. I mean, I have since I was very young and for me, um, it started there. And then I got into relacing mitts. And for me, that taught me a lot about how a glove is designed and, you know, where holes were and how to redo mitts. You know, I've been doing that for a very long time, done a lot of relacing for mitts and fixing them up and stuff. And so uh, in 2014, I, I read an article um, from a company called Art of Manliness. I haven't, I don't even follow them, but I, f- I found an article that was talking about how to make a wallet. And in that, it showed how to... Um, cut pockets and dimensions of cards and cash. And so that really set a foundation for me. And so it's kind of these two worlds collided. I already knew a lot about baseball gloves. And then I was teaching myself and learning online how to design stuff like that. And they kind of came together. So um, originally I started out just making, you know, I bought fresh hide and just went to cut leather and just use normal leather um, but I did, I did have a stack of gloves that were old, but were really falling apart. Um, but the leather was still good, so I kind of meshed those two worlds together to start basically starting the the foundation to Mac Provisions. So, where do you find these gloves? 
Oh, it, all over. Um, I have a few people who are always looking for me. They're back east, and um, they are professional junkers. They find right. old, old stuff. Um, they do a lot of the legwork for me. Um, yeah, so like I have like uh, about ten mitts coming from a guy who's in Connecticut right now. Um, so he's always looking for me, and I'll occasionally reach out and say any new finds, and he'll say. Yeah, here's pictures of them. What do you think? So it's that to antiquing to garage sales to, and my girlfriend Lindsay will attest. Anytime we go anywhere and we see an antique store, we gotta one hundred percent stop. So stop and go and go oh, dig yeah. through it for for the the gloves. Yeah, yep. She's I've got her trained. Well, <laughs> she, she trained herself to find the mitts that she knows what I like and what I'm what I'm looking for, and she's. She has a really good eye for that stuff. So she's, she's very helpful. Yeah. So when we, you know, when we, my wife and I collect different things and, you know, mm-hmm. totally not, not related. And so when we walk through the stores, you know, I'm only looking for baseball memorabilia is probably the only thing I'll spend money on. Right. And, and so I run through a, a, an antique store and like three times faster than her because I, I don't care about anything else. And she's right. looking through stuff, but it's funny what your eye begins to pick up when you're trained. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. So, so when you're when you're buying these these gloves, how how new and how old are they? The ones that you're using to make the wallets? Yeah, good question because um, I don't think a lot of people realize, but I tend to stick to gloves that were manufactured from the late 30s to the late 60s. Um, anything before is more collectible, and anything after is made overseas. So um, I won't even touch mitts that are made overseas once. Uh, Glove manufacturers went overseas. They, you see a real decline in quality and leather um, because okay. they're outsourcing not only the labor, but they're outsourcing the the where they got the leather. And a lot of times, the leather that they'd use in the glove manu- you know, to manufacture the gloves overseas, mostly came from South America, where the cattle aren't treated as nice as they are in America, and usually they're sick cattle, and that reflects in the leather. So, forties to sixties is kind of where I camp out. Interesting. So that that's, I hadn't thought about in those terms. So that's, that's actually really interesting that you're, you're really looking at, at which kind of was, you know, not the, the, well, was, baseball was really popular around world war two. So I would guess that there would be hopefully a relatively large inventory for you to find. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like yesterday I got at a glove that was um, manufactured for the U S army during world oh, war two. Cool. Yeah. So during that wartime, uh, companies like Wilson and Rawlings were got government contracts to build baseball gloves for special branches of the military for wartime play, especially towards the latter part of the war, like 1944, 45, where it started to really see that the, the, the allied forces were winning. And mm-hmm. so they let the people in the, you know, in the service play baseball, which is cool because there were a lot of people like, anybody from like Yogi Berra to a bunch of other players who weren't playing Ted Williams. Names like that. They weren't playing major league baseball, but they were playing baseball still. You just, you know, in Germany and stuff. <laughs> right. So what's, you know, what's been, is there an interesting story that you have about finding a mitt and, or like, do your clients ever call you up and say, Hey, I've got this glove. I want you to, to make a wallet out of it. Or is, you know, what sort of interesting things have come up so far? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it is fun when somebody sends me their personal glove. Um, you know, a lot of times when a kid gets their glove, what's the first thing they do is they write their name on it. 
And so I, a lot of times get to incorporate that their own handwriting on the glove into the wallet that they, you know, I just, I do this all the time and it's fun because I recently or not recently, but maybe a year ago, I did one for a lady who, um, her husband passed away and she had two boys. And, uh, I think for Christmas, she wanted to have this glove get turned into to a wallet for her two boys for Christmas for their father who had just passed. So it was a real special project to make something for, um, the kids to, to remember their dad by. So that was a, something they could use every day, you know, a glove you don't use every day, but a wallet you can. Um, and that every time they use it or pull it out, they, you know, would remind them of their father. Well, and not just that with, with two, with two sons in one glove, you, you, one could have it, one wouldn't get it. So this way they were both able to, to have, oh, yeah. have them have the memento. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's really cool. It was really special. I, I get it all the time and people love to do that. They love to send in their glove and I'll gladly take it in no matter what. I mean, unless it's cracked or if the leather, you know, if the leather is cracked and has showing real, real significant signs of wear, I, I can't restitch into it. It's just not possible. So um, there are some requirements, but yeah, if you want to send me your glove, I'll do it. That's cool. That's, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. So that would be kind of a, a, a neat, a, a neat way to, repurpose something as a memento i think right. that's, that's really cool so walk us through the process of you know you've we found the glove it's in your it's in your workspace right now what are you going to do with it yeah it's yeah so i call this um I, this is what i call gutting and so i will completely take all the lace out that's how you get started you take all the lace uh remove all the lace um and then a lot of times it's stitched together. So I remove all the leather from all the stitching in there. Um, so there's the, the wool felt padding that you pulled out. Um, so it's take the lace, uh, remove the stitching and remove the, the, the wool guts. Um, and then from there I have, uh, so my whole lineup's cut with a, a click, clicker die. So in my workshop, I have probably 20 clicker dice that I have a four ton clicker press that cuts all this out. And so, um, I take it over, you know, the piece of glove, take it over to the clicker, uh, to the clicker press and then cut out each wallet type that I'm, or whatever I'm making. So explain, cause I don't, I don't understand what a clicker press is. So why don't you explain that a little bit to us? Yeah. So a, a clicker die is the shape of my, the, my wallet or a pocket or anything. And so instead of hand cutting, which takes a significant more amount of time to do, I have these clicker dice that have my exact dimensions and they're perfect because they're consistent through and through. They're the same cut every time. Um, and they're sharp metal die. And I have this press that I can take up to four tons of pressure that hand operate. And it's a lever that pulls down on the die and cuts out that shape of the pocket or the, the part of the wallet. Oh, okay. All right. That makes sense. Yep. So we've, we've gutted the glove. We've, we've cut it out. Mm-hmm. Now, when I, when I, when we talked earlier and when I looked on your website, you're hand stitching these 100%. Yeah. And you're doing a double stitch, mm-hmm. um, which seems similar to me to how a baseball itself is stitched together. Right. Yeah. It's am I, very, am I correct that or am I wrong? Well, it's a little different baseball. You have two, two pieces of thread per stitch. Mine's just one, but I have two needles, one thread. And, um, it's a traditional saddle stitch, um, which means that, um, as you pass through a hole, you 
put the other needle through and pull tight. So it's a very repetitive process. It's very, for me, it's really relaxing, especially on a, like my bigger wallet, the, my passport wallet called the long ball. It's like I got a mile of stitching. So I can really, you know, go really fast and it's kind of, um, relaxing for me at least. Therapeutic, if you yeah. will. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so then, okay. So let me ask you this. So when I look at your wallets, I see, so the outer side of the wallet is the old, the old glove. Right. And then you're using new leather on the inside. Right. Right. And so the, so I like to, and I very early on wanted to have this contrast between the really worn baseball glove exterior with the interior made out of what is called, um, uh, it's called vegetable tanned, um, it's natural veg tan. And I think the contrast between the really new undyed, it doesn't have any dye in it to the baseball glove that has a, a lot of character and stuff is a cool contrast. And uh, it's really cool because the, the natural veg tan, I get it from a company called Herman Oak. Um, they're based in, in St. Louis, Missouri. They've been tan and hide since the civil war. One of the oldest tanneries in America, um, <clears throat> you know, towards the, the, the latter part of the sixties, a lot of hide manufacturers, moved operations overseas. And so they're like one of maybe five tanneries still left in America, still doing it. Um, They have a really cool water recycling program because you you require a lot of water to tan the hides. um, And they have a very strict uh, EPA regulated water water filtration system. So, I mean, they're really cool company i i really could nerd out and tell you a lot about that company but yeah it's um so it's natural in color and over years of use it turns to a dark rich color so not only do you have this new you know this new looking color versus the old color but you also get this patina on the inside over years of use so it's cool to see the 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 transition and have that story with it well yes because with each of these these wallets they're the, the leather, the exterior leather, if you will, is unique because every glove has been worn and, and right. used or abused differently. I mean, I don't think any two two gloves are going to look never the same. You know, mm-hmm. so that's that's cool that you've got. I like that the the, the contradict. You know, yeah, yeah, the, the contrast, contrast, yeah. contrast. And then, so we've we've cut it, we've we've sewn it together. What's the? We're not done yet, are we? No, more no. It? So, okay. um. Yeah, so I glue all the pieces together, punch my holes. Uh, those are called pricking iron. So I prick all the holes. Then I hand stitch it. And then I go on to kind of the last step, which is called sanding and burnishing. So I sand the, the all the edges um, so that they have a nice even edge. And um, then I take it to, I have this, it's a, it's a wheel uh, belt driven wheel that does the sanding on one side and the burnishing on the other. And so if you're not a leather person, burnishing probably sounds weird, but I take beeswax and I put it on the edge of the leather and I have this wheel that's wood. And when you apply friction to the leather, it creates a finished edge and beeswax will create a finished edge on the, on the, on, on leather. So, um, yeah, it's a really cool finishing touch. It creates a really smooth edge for you. And does it kind of seal those edges? I mean, yeah. does the beeswax get into the, the grain of the leather there? It does. Yeah, it kind of combines them all together. Um, and it's cool because I get the beeswax from a uh, third generation 
uh, bee farmer over on in Eastern Washington. So uh, not only is all my stuff made in America, I try to source as much materials from uh, as local as I can in the beeswax made over, over there in Eastern Washington. Very cool. Yeah. So we didn't ask, where does the thread come from? Are you using a, what type of thread and, yeah. and, and why, I guess? Um, so I use a linen thread. And I, I put a lot of research into this, but linen thread for me is, it's not only durable, it lasts long. And if it ever wears, um, I can restitch it. So the hard part about like, using a, a man-made thread is it's going to, it's going to last longer than your leather. And so when over time that thread is going to wear on the leather and then a eventually it's going to perforate the leather so you can't really fix it whereas any sort of natural thread like linen um it will it will wear before the the leather which is easy because i can just restitch and um if somebody ever has a wall that needs to be restitched that i made them i'll gladly do it for them for free um and that thread comes from uh france it's the only piece of material that i don't have that's from america um but it is the best thread linen thread on the market so okay very cool yeah it's a pretty cool company they've been around since like the early 1800s making linen threads okay so i mean you've you've taken great care in in picking your suppliers and 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 the components of of your product i mean you're not just going to walmart or or home depot or something and buying something off the shelf because it's on sale you're 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 sourcing your, your your vendors and you've you've picked good people to work with yes if i'm going to try to you know highlight anything from this conversation is i've put a lot of time and effort into sourcing my materials um you know you're i i, I have there i'm not going to lie they're a higher end wallet as far as pricing and i think my my you know msrp is reflective in the materials and the process of making it so if i could highlight anything is i put a lot of effort into sourcing good mitts and materials to to make um these wallets or items no sure because they're 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 gorgeous i mean yeah I've seen thank you just they're really i mean when we were first told about you um we so i'll so i'll explain to everybody how i how you and i sure uh, were introduced somebody from the western league posted about you on Facebook mm-hmm. and that you were going to be on evening magazine. Yeah. And, and I'm like, wow, that's baseball and it's Washington state. This is like my wheelhouse. This is cool. <laughs> yeah. And so I'd never heard of you. Right. I'd never, never heard of your, of you. Not that I know everything cause I don't, but I'd never heard of you. And I, and I go and I check out your website and I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. Cause you have a, you have a really, for me, I really like what you've done online with your online presence. Awesome. Yeah. And, I, I and, put a lot and, of effort into trying to make that. Yeah. It's, it looks, it looks great. And so I shared it with a couple of my friends saying, Hey, have you guys heard of this? And you know, they're other baseball fans and they're like, no, no. And so uh, they were checking you out. And so I reached out to you and we had a conversation and it was, and then your, your evening magazine episode dropped and um, I don't know. How, how did that go for you? Did, did you oh see gosh. an uptick? an uptick in interest. I mean, tell us about that. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, I was just comparing my April, uh, 2020 to my April 2019. And it's like 200% increase in, in profit and interest. So yeah, I mean, by and large, it was unbelievable. 
Yeah. Which is, which is interesting because it, you know, at the time of this, this conversation, we're, um, I don't want to say locked down, but we're not moving freely about the state. Nope. And, 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 and so it's, and you read in the paper about all of these businesses who are suffering financial hardship and, and struggles. Right. And, and yet you're, you're having a good, a good month. Unreal. And, yeah. It's, a, it's yeah, so crazy. Awesome. I, I can't believe it. You know, when the, when the, the, the feature was dropped, I was like, if I, I remember saying to my girlfriend, Lindsay, if I get one sale, I'll be happy. And that night, I mean, I had thought like literally uh, at one point we had a thousand people on my website, which I've never seen. I mean, that's, uh, wait, a, you had a thousand at once. Yeah. At one time. Yeah. So my, my website, I can see, I have a, a feature it's called live view. So I can see, um, how many people are on my website at one time. Um, you know, in the past I I've gotten excited when I saw like five, but then that night we were, I took screenshots on my phone because I was like, Holy cow, look at this. This is crazy. Um, just the amount of people, uh, on my website at once was, was awesome. Unbelievable. So that's 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 great i'm yeah. I'm, i really am happy to hear i i just love the the fact that people are being creative doing things and here you are running a business selling baseball glove wallets i mean i think I, that's not the only thing you sell but i think it's just cool that you're because you could be you know doing anything you could be working at a corporate job and right now here you are doing something creative that you're you're, you're passionate about yeah and i'm not gonna lie it's not like um it's easy one running your own business and two trying to be profitable at the same time. Um, you know, I, I, I come from people who run their own businesses. My dad owns two businesses in Spokane. Um, one of the businesses that he runs was owned by my mom's dad. Um, that started in 1950. So, I mean, there's business has been in my family for a long time. And so, um, anybody who owns a small business knows that it's incredibly hard to do. Um, and this is a, a one person shop. I, it's run everything by me. So um, if I email you, it's for me. If, if I, the mitts I'm looking for is all done by me, handmade by me, shipped out by me. So it's tough to run a small business these days. And I'm just thankful that people are interested in, have, you know, keep me, you know, pursuing my dream. And that's awesome. Yeah. So we kind of jumped over your, your backstory, how you, you Washingtonian Mm -hmm. tell us. So you're in Port Angeles now. Yeah. You grew up in Spokane, correct? Right. right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So why, what happened where you left Spokane to play baseball, right? Yeah. So I, um, out of high school, I got a scholarship at green river community college to play there. After Green River, I went back to Spokane and played at Whitworth University. Um, and so once I stopped playing baseball, I was so burned out. Um, I'd been, <clears throat> my brother and I had been playing competitive baseball from a very early age. Um, and I just got to the point where um, there's a lot of politics in college ball and a lot of, um, yeah, I guess I got to choose my words wisely here, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on. Um, that I was just sick of. So I quit baseball and I moved to Alaska and I lived up there for about 10 years. And I met a girl who was from Alaska, but living in PA. So I had to move here to be with her. And then, um, and you know, 
for yeah, PA Port oh, Angeles. Yeah, sorry, PA Port Angeles, um, not Pennsylvania. A lot of people get that mixed up, and um, that's the abbreviated. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah, you sound like a local PA, right? So, so how long have you been in Port Angeles? About a year and a half, maybe a little bit more. Okay. Yep. And she's and she's been in Port Angeles for longer than that. Yes, yeah, since 2015. So, okay. um, yeah, her and her family moved down. Uh, her dad works out at the prison. Calm Bay. So he, they moved from Juneau and she's also originally from, um, would be Island. But before that, her, her parents are from Seattle and that whole kind of general Seattle Tacoma area. So, um, right. yeah, so we were both Washingtonians, you know, through and through. So, you know, we typically always ask people, you know, tell us some of your favorite places. I mean, we're all about, talking to small businesses. We're all about, you know, nothing wrong with, you know, large companies, but they don't need promotion. Where's right. a, where's a cool, tell me some cool things in Port Angeles. Where, where should somebody listening to this, if they go up to PA, where would be a good place for them to go to? Right. Um, I would say by and large, my favorite place is Lake Crescent. Um, so, and anybody who, I think thinks of Port Angeles also thinks of going to that lake. It's a beautiful lake. Um, it's really cool. Um, it's really cold. Last summer we went swimming probably half a dozen times. It's a cold water, but it's really fun to go out there and uh, go swimming and there's beautiful mountains. And I mean, Port Angeles is seeing a huge uptick in, uh, I think tourism. A lot of people are coming f- to here to kind of escape, you know, the busyness of Seattle and, go camping out here and it's a really cool place because we've got the ocean you know obviously right at sea level and then we have these huge dramatic mountains the olympics behind us and so just the the every the scenery all in between is just it's awesome so yeah lake crescent's my circle to circle back lake crescent's probably one of my favorite places how about in the rest of the state like when you were growing up in in spokane was there anything in spokane that you thought was you know like the younger you, was there something as a kid you thought was cool in Spokane? Uh, in well, uh, growing up, we had a, a cabin out on Lake Roosevelt, which is a little bit more uh, west to Spokane. But yeah, I mean that it, you know it's such a cool state, right? We have <clears throat> the, the west side that's really kind of mountainous and you know evergreen, and then you kind of go towards the middle and eastern, and it becomes kind of that that deserty place and so a lot of my youth is spent in the kind of you know lake roosevelt is is a river basically and um just growing up with really hot weather and desert desert you know weather so it's kind of a cool cool place um so i love the contrast between those kind of two different areas in our own state it's very neat so to come back to your company mac provisions you don't just do wallets you do keychains you're doing some other leather stuff. What else are you guys, what else are you, I say you guys and it's just you, but what else, what other products are you, are you doing right now? And is there anything that you think you might be doing that you want to talk about? I don't know that there is, but you know, sure. is there something new on the horizon? Um, yeah, I've put a lot of time and effort into thinking about it. Um, so just as an aside, my background uh, before Mac provisions, I worked up in Alaska for a company called Alaska tent and tarp. And so I have, um, some sewing background in uh, making tents and tarps. So uh, I think 
I have an industrial sewing machine. And so I think my next step is going to start making masks just because um, a lot of people, you know, they're not leather, but they're a, a different product that I can kind of work into my lineup. Um, and so I've been sourcing American made canvas and American made elastic, American made thread to build a, a, a mask, especially when fall comes. I think I'll be launching that just because um, there is that, that prediction that when fall comes, we're going to have a, a hit. And so right. I think making masks is kind of my next, my next bigger project. I think that's, that's really, really interesting. So Canvas, U.S. Canvas, Canvas Elastic, all right, very cool. Yep, yep. They you need a, a t- they say a tightly woven fabric, and so um, this is going to be a ten ounce canvas, so it's kind of on the heavier side, um, but definitely close knit, um, which is what they want for for people who are wearing a mask. Very okay. That's 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 really cool. Yeah. So if somebody wants to check you out, where where can they go? Um, where do they find you on social media? Where do they find you online? You know, all of that, go ahead and give a shout out. Yeah. So, uh, it's just macprovisions.com And then, on uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Mostly is where I camp out just because I like to take photos. I have a nice full frame camera. So I try to take some really nice shots of my product. So that's just, uh, at Mac provisions. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you for uh, for being with us here today, and uh, continued success because you're. Just, I love your stuff; it's it's cool, and I think everyone should go check you out at, at macprovisions.com. And we'll put a link in below in the show notes so that they can click on it if they want. Yeah. And uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to say? No, Scott. I just really appreciate you being interested. It's been nice to you know you and I to talk. We've probably chatted three times, and it's just nice to develop friendships and and work with other companies like you. And I love what you guys are doing. So I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. It's, it's genuinely, it, it's, yeah, I just, in fact, my, just not that anybody cares, this is more like I should hit the button and stop recording to share this, but <laughs> it's like my, my next business card is going to be uh, based on the old OBAC tobacco cards. Right, right. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, my, my designer buddies taking that layout I'll probably cut this out of the show. Maybe I'll leave it. Who knows? But anyway, we're taking that old tobacco card layout right. and we're going to have my image in, in a, in a Jersey, right. you know, and, and, and it'll be the business card. And, and that's really, and I can't think of a better place to put that than in one of your wallets. Cause it's just, everything ties together. Yep. Boom. Yeah. And, yeah. For the sake of baseball, just keep this in there because anybody who knows those old tobacco cards would will love that design in your business card. So, very cool. So we, let's let's if you got a second, let yeah. me let's just go some completely different. That but it was kind of the initial thing that brought me to your brought you to my attention. What if anything? And I'll put you on the spot. You may not know how to answer this, but what if anything can you say about the west the Western League? And because there's there's teams in what Bellingham, Port Angeles, Wenatchee, Yakima, Walla Walla, Kelso, and then there's the Bend Elks. Uh, Portland Pickles, Portland Pickles, and then team in Victoria, BC. Right. So, so for the most part, it's a Washington State League. It's basically a Washington, some Oregon, some BC. So, but yeah, yeah, basically Washington State's the through and through. So, when we talked earlier, you you know you know a couple of the coaches in the league and all that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find a lot of background on that league. Mm-hmm. What if what sort of ball players? I mean, they're these are college kids, right? Yes, 
yeah for the, for the most part for the most part i i think there are some cases where they're getting a high school kid who's graduated and going into college into college but i think that's pretty rare but for the most part this is um a very competitive league i mean very 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 high end ball players my brother played um multiple years with the the Bend Elks and the Walla Walla Sweets um and so he played at Seattle U uh and so mostly not always but there's a lot of D1 players um and some D2 and some um NAIA kids but for the most part these are kind of big league breeding grounds it's a wood bat league so a lot of scouts come to the games um and when I was in college I did uh, a partial summer um with the Spokane Riverhawks, which was at one point part of that league, but had dropped out. So um, a lot of guys, who, really good ball players who uh, play in this league end up going pro, basically get drafted. And is this, and correct me if I'm wrong, is, is the Western League, for many of these kids, the first competitive league with wood bat that they're playing in? Um, it depends, you know. Uh, so like when I went to Green River, that was the the – the community college system in, in Washington state's all wood bat. So it really okay. depends. Um, but for the most part, a lot of these kids come from their school using a, a, a mad, a metal bat and then play the summer in wood. But uh, it's been in my experience that when you play college ball, you do your fall ball, your winter uh, cuts all with a wood bat. And then you come into league play with metal bats. So for the most part, people are used to using wood. Okay, so it's not just some radical transition that that they're used to swinging. You know, this right. the ball get, comes off the bat a little differently. Oh yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of science into it. I mean, obviously, wood's a natural material, and so if you make a mistake with your swing and um, you know hit it on a part of the bat, you you could end up breaking it. Whereas um, with a metal bat, obviously, you might you might get away with a certain. Uh, with some muscling up of all compared to a wood bat. So there's a, yeah, obviously some disadvantages to using a, a wood bat, which makes it interesting, makes it fun. So do you go to the, the well, right now there's no games, but ha- last year, did you go to some of the Port Angeles games? Yeah. Well, I went to a few lefties games. Um, it was fun. Uh, yeah. The, the, the owners, Matt Acker, I'll give him a little shout out. He was my college coach at green river. So it's kind of a, small world. I had no idea he was here uh, before he used to own the Kitsap Blue Jackets. And I thought he was kind of still there doing that. But when I came to PA, he had started the lefties, I think a couple, a couple years ago, 2016, he moved from Bremerton to, to uh, PA. And, and uh, they're huge, huge for this community. People love going to civic field, watching the lefties play. Um, and it's a fun environment. A lot of people drinking beer and hanging out. Right. Yep. Yeah, the the Wenatchee Apple Sox play at the uh, at the community college, and it's a uh, they the new owner the owner purchased them a couple the current owner purchased them a couple of years ago, right, right, and they have really put a lot of time and effort into the the fan experience right. and making it uh, a lot of fun to go you know and, and over here in Wenatchee. Uh, June and July, it's it's in the seventies, eighties, you know. So it's nice and warm out. It's not like I, as a kid, I grew up in Tacoma, and so I'd go to Cheney Stadium, and right. that place is brutal unless it's yeah, it's yeah. just so cold. I mean, it's just miserable. Yep. Um, but over here, the 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 
Apple sucks. They do a really, I, I'm super pleased with how they, they, they treat the fan. Oh yeah. And, and the quality of play is good. I mean, it is, it's a fun, it's a fun thing. And, you know, I'll, I'll recommend to anybody that's in, in one of those markets to make sure you go check out a team because oh, yeah. it's, it's great entertainment and good competitive baseball. Right. Yeah. They, like I said, these, these are guys who are, you know, have their foot in, into the next, you know, league, which is basically playing minor league ball, big league ball. And so there's a slew of players who have played in this league that are now playing in the major leagues, which is, um, so you're basically getting a, a big league experience for, you know, like games I think are like 10 bucks. So, I mean, real cheap. And that's for a, a great seat. Yep. And that, yeah, yeah. And that's for, yeah, like the best seat in the house. And it's a real yeah. fun experience. And not only does it, it, it creates a cool atmosphere, but it's also like we have a couple vendors, food vendors that, you know, they probably do really good. And it's a good, you know, experience for a lot of companies and a lot of people supporting mm-hmm. local communities. And I mean, America's the the pastime. I mean, we, we, I think we kind of gather around this sport um, and it's good for the soul, good for the, the, you know, just for camaraderie, good for our people. Yeah, I the one thing about baseball that, you know, that makes it completely different than all, most almost all the other popular sports and certainly different than, you know, football, basketball and hockey right. is there is no it, the game will last as long as it takes. There right. is no, you know, there is no halftime. It's it's going to go on and it nine innings or 18 innings right. sometime. Um there's a lot of rules and regulations to the game um that are so unique, you know. I mean, yeah, there's no time frame. There's nine innings, which is, I guess, a time frame, but that plays out how it wants to play out. Um, there's not a like a football field has a universal, you know, hundred yards, right? Um, right. Baseball, we have all unique, different parks. You just have to have ninety feet, you know, between bases and stuff. You know, so there's there's it's a unique sport, and I think it reflects us as Americans. It's a really well, yeah, and the the parks are. You're right. The parks are all radically. No, well, there was a while in Major League Baseball where they were kind of standardizing them in the '60s and '70s. Those, right. those, you know, the Astrodome and and things like that, where they were just the, the parks were pretty sanitized and boring, in my opinion. Yeah, look at Kingdom. Um, I mean, for years we played there. <laughs> yeah, can I? I tried to block out the Kingdom in my brain, but you know, you know, Six Stadium before that uh, in in Seattle. But you know, you start looking at the old dimensions of some of the old ballparks, and you look at the dimensions of the new ballparks. Mm-hmm. At, you know, Safeco or whatever it's called now, T-Mobile Park. T-Mobile, yeah. You know, that was part of that whole renaissance of retro-looking stadiums. Right. And, and it's it's neat that, you know, each ballpark, I think, is Houston's got, like, the center field, it rises up. They, towards- were, they removed it, but, yeah, at one point they had a hill okay. in, the, in the back area. Yeah, I mean that, that was well, kind of even their 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 home run fence. There, I think it's kind of similar to the Green Monster. They have a really short porch um, in left field, uh, but they have a really tall fence, kind of like the Green Monster in Fenway. So I think um, each park is unique, and I think it is a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the, I, I've not been to the Port Angeles uh, ballpark, but it's not going to look like the Wenatchee ballpark. No, and it's not going to look like the ballpark in Walla Walla. No, the one here, yeah. Civic Field, is basically a football field converted into a baseball field. So, I think the I think the high school football plays there during the the you know in the fall. So <laughs> they switch over. It's 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 unique, but 
you know, that's the point of baseball. You can get up and play anywhere. All right. Exactly. And so we, we went way off tangent on this, but that's okay. That's all it's, good. It's, it's, it's my show. I can do what I want. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for being on and um, we'll put in the show notes where the, people can find you. And awesome. we encourage everyone to check out uh, Mac provisions and even more than check him out, uh, take a look at those handcrafted items. They're, they're beautiful and you should have one in your, in your wallet awesome. or it should be in your pocket, awesome. I guess, not your wallet. But anyway, all right. Awesome. I'm going to uh, sign off. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, thank Casey. Yeah, thank you so All much. Right. Really appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Exploring Washington podcast. Check for our presence on social media pages and let us know if you know of someone whose contribution to the state needs to be heard. You can reach us at podcast at explorewashingtonstate.com.